All right, good morning, everyone. Good to see you all as winter has come. Indeed, there are handouts spread throughout the room. And there's an extra handout if anyone wants to go uh, extra deep. I'll, I'll explain it later. Um, I just didn't print out the same number. Um, so we are it's a bit of a transition in sort of the class structure. So we've been, uh, we focused first on, you know, how do you know anything? How do you know uh, God at all? So we looked at revelation and natural revelation, special revelation. And then this is what scripture declares God to be, who God is. Um, so I'm going to keep coming, uh, coming back to like this story because I think it's really helpful to see sort of why we're here and how what came before impacts that and because it's really telling a certain kind of story. Um, so we spent several weeks on who God is, the attributes of God, God is Trinity. Um, and so now we're, we're starting, uh, what does God do uh, outside of himself specifically? And so that's why we're coming to the doctrine of God as creator. Um, so I will pray and then we will jump in. Lord, we do praise you that you are uh, the creator of all things. And we pray that you would uh, give us faith to believe that, to see that, to see its importance, uh, that, that our, our faith would bring you glory and that uh, you would instill in us a deeper trust uh, for all that you are. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, so we... We will have a chance to look specifically at uh, Genesis 1, Genesis 1 and 2. And so we may get into some thornier issues, depending on if this is controversial or not for you. Um, but before we do that, I just wanted to set it up a little bit. So first, first just reminding us of how we read Scripture, uh, how we interpret it. So from the first chapter of Westminster, the whole counsel of God concerning all things necessary for his own glory, man's salvation, faith, and life is either expressly set down in Scripture or by good and necessary consequence may be deduced from Scripture. So that's sort of our, the rule of interpretation, if you will, that, that we uh, hold to. It's either expressly set down, it's either very clear, um, you know, do not covet, do not commit adultery, do not murder. Those are pretty clear. Or good and necessary consequence. And so we're going to come back to that as far as what, what does Scripture bind us to believe? Because if Scripture says it, it's God speaking. And we can ask all about how does this true, what does it mean to be true? But we simply also have to believe this is true. Right. It should bind our conscience, if you will. Um, so keeping that in mind and then keeping in mind, we talked a bit about this when we were doing scripture, purpose and genre. Uh, trying to read scripture according to God's intended purpose. And that's where some of the debates can be. What is the genre of this specific type of writing? Therefore, how should it be read? Sometimes it's very clear. It's just a song. You read it like a song. It tells us it's a song. sounds like a song. You read it like a song. That's obvious. 
some of the other parts is where maybe the, the debate happens. Okay? All right. The importance of God as creator outside of Genesis. So before we get to Genesis, I just want to ask, according to these passages, why is it important that God is the creator? Okay? So Job, in the book of Job, God finally responds uh, towards the end. God finally responds and basically says, where were you? Oh, I thought that was a speaker. <laughs> All right, Isaac. I see you. Uh, where were you when I created the world? Where were you when I laid the foundation of the world? Um, who are you to, to, to speak? Right? And so Job's response, I'll just read here. Uh, Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am of small account. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. I have spoken once and I will not answer twice, but I will proceed no further. And then later on, Job says this. This is uh, 42. I know that you can do all things <clears throat> and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. So what is the importance to Job that God is creator? Yeah. So it's, we can. And, and that God did and is and can. So I will acknowledge that God's strength is strong enough to save. Well, the, only the only one to only, save. Only. Yeah. 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 You will see a lot of times, especially in the Psalms, creation and redemption are very much linked. What has God done? He has created and he has saved them from Egypt. That's like. Often, when, when they're remembering the works of the Lord, that's what they do. They remember his work of creation, and they remember his work of redemption from Egypt. Yeah, I think of the Psalms when it says, The heavens declare your glory. Uh -huh. uh, but that's general revelation. Uh -huh. yeah. Yeah. God, is, God is glorious. Job is humbled here, right? He is humbled. So he's comes into the presence of the Lord and is, is brought to repentance eventually. So that, that's a clear implication. If, if God is creator, then we need to realize we are not. So it certainly gives us a certain amount of humility. And that's what Psalm 8 is after. Who, who is man that you are mindful of him? Right? The son of man that you care for him? Um the majesty of God, he, he's sort of looking up at the stars and saying, how could you even give a thought to us? You are so majestic. So that, again, is that humility. Um, and then if you're curious, there are a lot of psalms. I listed some there. Those are not all of them, but um, sort of what, what is the importance of God as creator? Nature speaks his glory. Uh, everything is meant for him. Right? That says a lot. And then, even more so, in Christ. So, 
we would not understand fully God as creator if it doesn't point us also to Jesus Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. So the importance of God as creator is that he has made all things for Christ, for himself, by Christ, by himself. And it's all meant to be sustained in him. So partly I'm doing this to remind us of just how big it is to believe that God is creator. And also to remember when we talk about God as creator, you don't have to automatically go to debates about evolution. We will get there eventually today, but that's not the most important thing. And according to scripture, there's a lot more to say about God as creator. A lot of more beautiful, like, really significant things to say. Okay? Um, so, the, our confession has, doesn't say much. Uh, creation was not that debated. Uh, as far as we know, in Westminster, um, you know, this is after the Copernican Revolution, but that, that didn't seem to really put their faith in creation, uh, it didn't seem to challenge it much. Um, so it pleased God. The word pleased, by the way, is the way Westminster uses it, it's kind of like uh, he wasn't compelled by anything outside himself. It's like his mere good pleasure. He, it pleased him. He, he simply chose to do so because he chose to do so. That's, that's what they mean by pleased. It also brought him pleasure, you could say, but um, they use that throughout. So it pleased God, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost for the manifestation of the glory. So there we get a reason. Why did he create? For his glory. He didn't need to. It didn't make his glory increase, but it showed it, put it on display. Glory of his eternal power, wisdom, and goodness in the beginning to create or make of nothing the world and all things therein, whether visible and invisible, in the space of six days, and all very good. And so then I just wanted to include this, this note that I think is important. So, uh, this is doctrine of the creator first, before any doctrine of creation. This is, this is connected to who God is. Right? The creed says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. It's an article of faith to believe. Um, and so God, Aquinas described God as the all-embracing cause of existence entire, and creation as the introduction of being entirely, which I just included to, to help us realize how mysterious creation out of nothing is. So there are certainly ways in which we can point to 
this happened, we can see this in science, and it seems to lend credibility to there being a designer? Certainly. How could this be random? That is certainly true. Uh, but there still is this aspect of faith that says, I believe something almost ineffable that he created out of nothing. He didn't start with anything. There's nothing co-eternal with God. So he spoke it into existence by the word of his power, we're told in scripture. But we don't know how that works, right? We don't have an analogy. I mean, we have analogies, but that's all we have. Right. We don't have a perfect example. So we don't create like God creates. We may make things, but all we do is make things out of whatever's already there. Couldn't we think of the way that we actually are saved is by speaking out of the Absolutely. There is no, there's not Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's why being saved, you could say, is becoming a new creation. Yeah, he has to raise the dead. Um, he is shining the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, the, the light out of darkness. Yeah. That's, that's an, another way you see that parallel between creation and redemption. Um, and then another uh, church father put it this way. It is he, beneficent nature, goodness without measure, a worthy object of love for all beings endowed with reason, the beauty most to be desired, the origin of all that exists, the source of life, intellectual light, impenetrable wisdom. He it is who in the beginning created heaven and earth. So we need to be sure of who God is in order to to rightly understand creation. So this is really reminding, reminding us of what came earlier, that God is already perfectly self-sufficient, all-sufficient goodness. Remember, he's, he's, he has all blessing and life and, and truth in and of himself. Um, and he decides to speak creation into existence. All right. So, before we get into Genesis 1 and 2, which we're going to spend the rest of our time in, do you guys want to ask anything just more general about that? Creation ex nihilo, or out of nothing, is, is the standard belief of, of Christians and most monotheists. Because there wasn't something that started with, that, there wasn't something that was already there. Um, I just think it's, uh, like, I feel blessed by reading this because mm. uh, the, like, doctrine of creator first before the doctrine of creation, it makes me think about just the importance of being over mm. doing. Mm. Mm. My identity in Christ mm. is more important than what I do. Yeah. And like how I can struggle with that and mm. seeing how like this is primary to even the Lord. Mm. And his identity, you know, his identity before. 
Mm. Yeah, amen. That's a great connection. And so if, if our purpose is to be in communion with God, then it's to be in communion with this God who is first all glorious and sufficient in and of himself. Um, amen, yeah. Being, God, is, God is being first, for sure, before doing. Anything else? All right, let's look at Genesis 1. And what I want to do, uh, I would encourage you just to listen to it. Close your eyes only if you're not going to fall asleep. Um, scripture originally was, was only heard, right? Most people were not literate. Uh, so I'm just going to read Genesis 1 through 2-3 and try to hear it as if it's news. Okay? It is kind of long, though. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse, and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind, on the earth, and it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth, and it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night, and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. 
So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our own image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. This is the word of the Lord. <laughs> so, what was your impression hearing it all read at once? The importance of earth. Hmm. In other words, how much the universe takes second place. There the light in the sky, there the Yeah. It seems like there's some kind of primary concern about the earth. Yeah. 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 engage in idle speculation and Yeah, according to its kind, yeah. Because it, it, it kind of, it could, it 
you start looking at creation, you start seeing his style. You start seeing style of noses and different pieces, and then you start looking at the plant life and its own style. Mm -hmm. And you start seeing the crosses and how there's slight variations, but then intentional contrast. It's like, why? Because I think that God is trying to do things with style. Mm -hmm. There's some kind of order to the to each type of thing. Yeah. 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 Right. 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 What is it? What do you? What is the effect that reading this has on you? What does it do to you? We have a God of order. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so much purpose. What else? So much goodness. Every time it was good. Yeah, yeah, so much goodness. So much goodness. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great that is a great point. Yeah, I think I think our our anthropology always has to keep both in in balance, in tension. Like the the center of the story is God, right? God is the actor. Anyone else is acted upon. So certainly, it humbles us. There is a significance to creation that is way beyond us, which we've already seen in Job and the Psalms and stuff. But then the dignity that we are given to be made in the image of that one who was doing all this with such ease. I think that's the big one that I'm struck with. There is no struggle in this chapter. There is no, there's no enemy. There is no battle or fight or I mean there's there was darkness over the face of the deep we we could go into that maybe there's a sense of he's redeeming order out of chaos light out of darkness but he is so much in control he's so sovereign that he all he has to do is speak and these things are and it was so that da, 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 and it was so and it was so and it was so Thank God. Thank God. Yes. Yeah. All right. Let's let's 
get back to the handout, I think we're going to see even more of what's going on here. Um, so there's some really cool things when we realize the historical background to this text. Um, there are some very unique aspects of this description in comparison to what would have been contemporary. So we're putting this sometime. What, if Moses is writing this, then he's writing it in a context of other Canaanite religious stories, right? And so often their critique is, well, he's just pulling from other stories and cobbling them together. And really, you see some similarities, but you also see some drastic, drastic differences. So universal creator and ruler overall. So there is no competitor. Okay, that's pretty unique. Uh, morals are based in creation. We are not divine or semi-gods. All of those are, are very unique. It's hard for us to imagine because we're so used to this truth. But a lot of stories, the creation of humanity is the result of a great battle, the result of the losing uh, figure in the battle and being punished to take care of humanity. Um, there's all of these gods sort of vying for control. But here, it's not the case at all. So if we put it also in that context of Moses leading the people in the wilderness, defining who they are, their mission, it's a context that he wants to say, behold who your God is. This is who your God is. And then look at this quote from an Old Testament scholar. Each day of creation dismisses an additional cluster of deities. Right? Things that people believed to be divine themselves or there were gods attached to them. On the first day, the gods of light and darkness are dismissed. On the second day, the gods of sky and sea. On the third day, earth gods and gods of vegetation. On the fourth day, sun, moon, and star gods. I mean, how many ancient civilizations worship the sun? Which makes sense. I mean, we're very dependent on the sun. Don't just cast them as idiots. Like, it's a really important thing. <laughs> right? Fifth and sixth days take away any associations with divinity from the animal kingdom. And finally, human existence, too, is emptied of any intrinsic human divinity, while at the same time, all human beings, so this expands what David was saying about the dignity, it goes to all of us, from the greatest to the least, not just pharaohs, kings, and heroes, are granted a divine likeness. So maybe there were divine humans, but it was like one, the emperor, the pharaoh, the king, maybe they're divine or semi-divine, and everyone else is just servants. So the dignity here. Is incredible. Um, all right, and we're going to get, we're going to come back. So I, I think next week is going to be like humanity. So we'll talk more about anthropology. What does it mean to be human? Uh, but I want to get to some more stuff. Um, top of 32. Some of you may have heard this. There, there are these similarities in these ancient treaties that we have from the Old Testament uh, and then contemporary first, second millennium B.C. So a suzerain was a lord or a master uh, over a vassal. 
So if you conquer a nation, right, you're a suzerain, you make a treaty with the person you just conquered. You see this throughout scripture. And there are reasons for us to think that Genesis 1 is a kind of historical prologue to this kind of treaty that says God is making a covenant with all of humanity. I'm telling you who you are. I'm going to tell you what your purpose is. Let me first tell you who I am. I'm the Lord of all. Um, all right. Then Eden as a temple. I just want to get to some of this other stuff because this can be really cool. Um, Eden as a temple. This becomes especially clear if we would have read chapter 2. Uh, but basically there are, there are specific examples where when Solomon ends up building the actual temple, there are... Uh, key similarities that point back to the garden. And you can read all of scripture even as a place where first there was a temple in Eden, which is set apart. There's, it's interesting in chapter 2 it's described there's the rest of the earth and then Eden is set apart as a special place. Set apart where God dwells, where he walks even and talks um, where God is especially present. And then the altars that they create throughout Genesis is kind of meant to be echoing that. But then finally you have the tabernacle and the temple and Exodus and later, and then eventually Jesus. So it's, it's as if Eden, the presence of God, is meant to go global. And that's what's happening even now through the church. Uh, and you can look there at some of the details. What do you think about the idea that uh, men were put in the temple Yeah, I think that's true. I think, <laughs> I think if you were to look at some more of these details of if Eden is a temple, the one thing that every temple has is an idol. And yet we are told not to make any idols. We are not to, right, that's one of the commandments, because there are already idols made. Meaning things that image the God that would have been in the temple. So that's what I think humanity is meant to be. And we'll get more to that next week as far as our purpose as a priest. Yeah, it seems kind of hard to, to get on first reading. But I do think there's there's reasons to think. <laughs> I don't. That's a good question. Certainly, the idea of Eden as a temple is not unique, and humanity as a priest is not unique. Uh, humanity as little idols. I don't know. I don't know about that. Like, it, we're, are there a lot of instances of connecting image of God with? Another idol in a temple. I don't know. All right, Eden has a temple. Uh, God's work. What is God doing? He's doing all this with such ease. It's planned out. It's with order. Uh, number five there, there is, there is the realms, the kingdoms if you will, 
first three days, light, sky and seas, dry land, vegetation, and then there is the king or the, the one that is supposed to fill those places. So it seems like there is this overall structure. Lights, birds or fish, animals and humans fill those kingdoms. So to quote the estimable, honorable Preston Graham, therefore if we were to read Genesis 1 right, is a covenant theology concerning the kingdom of God, that under God there is appointed many servant kings who are then to rule on God's behalf and for his glory. So there are kings, small k, and then there is the king of kings. So I think that's the overall purpose of Genesis 1 and even creation itself that, that is declaring God is the one and only king of all. And look how he has set up the world. Look how he acts. Um, it, it almost read like God was just drawing boundaries. Yeah. Earth and uh, sea, and, as well as boundaries between animals. Yeah. Yeah. Other kind of right. Yeah. Certain boundaries gets to their, I think, purpose and style even, beauty. So it's almost like chaos is no boundaries. Yeah. starts drawing Yeah. Sure, sure. Sure. Restriction makes good art. I like that. And then we have the Sabbath. God rests. He rests, not because he's tired, but clearly after reading the first six days, you don't get a sense of any exertion. of uh, You know, he's not tired at all. Um, but it is clearly a unique day. It's the only day that God blesses. I think God only blesses humanity and the seventh day. Was that right? Um, he, blessed, uh, he blessed humanity. I don't think he blessed any of the other animals. But he did say, be fruitful and multiply to the animals. Uh, which is kind of like spread, spread your glory, spread my glory throughout the whole world. Um, the Sabbath, the, the final day, has no evening, which I think may point to, it's pointing to this fact that there, need, there needs to be a point in which there is no death. Um, so, I don't want to skip over what maybe some of you are eager to hear about, which is, how does this, how does this jive or not with evolution? And so, this is where... The extra handout, if you're really interested, is on the back. It's just a handout on, um, I can send you a lot more. There's not actually that much there. It's a handout on what are acceptable views in the PCA to be ordained. Uh, meaning, you have to believe God created the world. But what does it mean to say he created in the space of six days? which is just a quote from scripture. Uh, and so 
I personally don't take the literal 24-hour view of creation. It obviously is one acceptable view. Um, and so you can see these are some of the reasons why I don't take that. And then that's going to uh, also bleed into what we should or should not have to believe about evolution. Right? So we're still keeping that good and necessary consequence. This is not saying you should believe in evolution or not believe in evolution, or even if it's a thing to believe. Right? This is simply saying, what does scripture bind us to? So, here's, here's some, some thoughts. So far, nothing has been said for or against. That fact alone is important. As I said, I think the whole point of Genesis 1 and 2 is a part of a treaty between God and humanity to show forth just how great and sovereign he is. I do think American Christianity is unique in its hang-up on evolution, and it really stems from the cultural and historical trends that grew out of the Scopes trial in 1925. Um, it was not nearly as big of an issue for European Christians, uh, for Christians even before the 1900s. Uh, there, there were always questions about what does creation mean in six days, long before Darwin. Uh, so. We just, we often have sort of a small view of history. Um, but let me just jump to the non-negotiables. This is not to say that none of this actually happened. Okay? So we do believe, and I think scripture binds us to believe these things. Historical work of the triune God. God did create. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit created out of nothing. Right? You get into all sorts of theological problems if it's not out of nothing. Humanity is uniquely created in the image of God. Historical Adam. So Adam really existed as our covenant head. And you see that in the Old and the New Testaments. Something happened that implicated all of humanity because of that. And we'll talk more about that next week. And then also, Adam and Eve. Okay? Um, so let me just read this quote from Alvin Planica, famous philosopher. Does the scientific theory of evolution include not merely the idea that the living world has been produced by a process in which natural selection is the chief mechanism, but the vastly more ambitious idea that this process has been unsupervised, unplanned, unintended by God or any other intelligent agent? That hardly seems to be an appropriate part of an empirical scientific theory. It looks instead like a metaphysical or theological add-on. Do you get what he's saying there? He's saying you can say what you want about uh, the scientific truth, but science can't prove that it's random. It can't prove that it's unguided. It can't say, see, because this happened, God didn't do it. This is outside the realm of what science can say. That's all he's saying. Um, you guys want to engage? I know we don't have a lot of time, but... Well, um, I was just wondering, is it, is it intentional or not that sort of that point from number six there isn't included in the non-negotiable, sort of the intentionality of it all? That whatever, you know, we might come to think about the mechanism of how God did right, this, right. it was that he intended to do what he did. And right. It wasn't random and sort of by chance, which seems a bit of um, just, I think, a common yeah. theme in our culture. It's just... 
sort of the randomness of it all, yeah. which usually detaches things from meaning and yeah. any sort of objective truth. Yeah, no, that's a great point. No, there could there it could have been added under the non-negotiables as far as there is a intention to humanity for sure and to all of creation. Like he gives us purpose because of he is the creator. And I would say that uh, in terms of a lot of people get hung up on the time issue. Yeah. Again, yeah. time is the creation. Yeah. And according to the Genesis story, it wasn't even created as we understand it until day four. Right. Yeah, there's no, I mean, that's one of the things. There's no sun until day four, but there's morning and evening. Right. So, I mean, what's I think, he saying if there's no 24-hour day before right. day four? Right. So what are days one through day three? So right. it's, I think it's acceptable to understand that um, days might not be what we understand as a 24-hour day. Right, right. The day of the Reformation is like an era. But just to be clear, so what we're saying is not that you can't believe 24-hour day or that you must. We're saying it's not clear. It's not necessary. Okay? So thinking of what does God bind us to is the key sort of burden, I think. Uh, if it's written for another purpose, then we should read it according to that purpose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. What? I was going to say the evolution of aspects are interesting, but I find more interesting, and I don't know why I hadn't thought of it in that way, uh, just the concept of him resting, but he isn't tired. Yeah. You said that a little moment ago. I think it would be great to spend a minute on that because it's, it's pretty profound. Just the fact that what would it mean for us to rest, right. but not out of a need? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we see the Sabbath as like, finally I can... I can sleep in or something, or take a nap. Uh, but what would it mean to like prioritize the Sabbath so that you can rest in the Lord? Right. Well, and you say here, you know, in the literary context, also means seated on His throne after His work is complete and now remains. Yeah. So the implication for us as well. Right. Right. He is the King. Yeah. 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 Sure, 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 sure. Um, just taking this text as an example, the a good con you could say a good consequence is well every day was twenty four hours, and that's how this worked. It would be a that's one way to read it. Necessary consequence would be. What do I need to believe? 
Is there no other way to understand this text? So uh, another example would be, do not get drunk with wine, but be drunk with the spirit. So what does it mean to say, do not get drunk with wine? Well, a good consequence could be, well, then I shouldn't even touch wine just to be sure. It's like, okay, maybe that could be wise, but that's not necessary because that is outside of what that text says. He doesn't bind you to not touch wine. He says, don't get drunk with wine. Right. There's always going to be a binding aspect to it. It's just a matter of how clear is it. Yeah. Uh, I do have a question on verse 2. Yeah. The earth is formless and void, and darkness is over the surface of the deep. The spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Yes. So the earth is a wall? Yeah, I don't know. Right. Yeah. I know. That's a mis- pretty mysterious. Yeah. Yeah. No right. And it's and we're not even told he created. Did he create that part? It doesn't say he created that part. Right. We believe, of course, he did. There's nothing that he didn't. But it, I think part of that is it's showing us a picture of creation as redemption. Like he he is bringing order out of chaos. He's bringing light out of dark. There was some chaotic blob at some point uh, that he had to put into order. All right, we're over time. Let's pray. God, we do praise you that you are uh, the creator, and we clearly do not have uh, all of the answers, but we do pray that we would be uh, humble in trusting you and in knowing what it means to, to worship you as the King of kings and Lord of lords. So we pray for uh, your glory and that you would give us that privilege to, to rest in you just as you have. In Jesus' name, amen.